All right, this is Gary Parish again from CBS Sports. It's now late on Sunday. It's January 3rd, 2016, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. No Sam Vecini with me today, just Matt Norlander, which is fine. It'll give us more time to uh, talk. We won't have Vecini holding us back It'll tonight. be like a regular podcast. It'll be a lot like a re- – really, you probably wouldn't even have noticed if I didn't say anything. But either way, no Sam Vecini uh, here tonight. And we're recording on Sunday night and probably going to uh, continue to do that um, the rest of this season because – uh, starting uh, on tomorrow, which is Monday, I'll be traveling to New York every single morning. So my uh, mornings and afternoons on Mondays will be tied up. Uh, so Sunday night podcast going forward. Matt Norlander, how are you on this Sunday night? I'm doing well. So a couple quick things before we get into a lot of the hoops. So so listeners know. So yeah, we'll do Sunday nights, but I'll still like because I'm the one that actually like puts the podcast into the feed. I'm still going to put the podcast, barring like us recording on a Sunday night and there being a huge breaking story. The the podcast will go live in the feed first thing in the morning when I wake up, and then it'll be on the site shortly after that. So if you're not subscribed, like GP says at the end of every episode, mm-hmm. subscribe to the podcast on iTunes because it's partly the way it works, but also it's it's kind of like we want you to subscribe so you can get it first. So if you want to listen first. You'll have the podcast on iTunes a good hour before it shows up on the site. Uh, secondly, so you're going, you know, the rest of the season, you go to New York, you do CBS Sports Network stuff with TV. Um, and so when, you, when we're actually talking, let's just talk this out live, right? Okay, sure. in front of everyone. So are you, will you travel home on Wednesdays or are you going to travel home on Thursdays? Travel home on Thursdays. It'll be a, uh, uh, like this is the schedule. Fly to New York every Monday morning um, in studio every Tuesday night and every Wednesday night. And then fly back home on Thursday mornings. And I'm doing it differently than I did it last year. The way the travel works, now we're getting really too inside. <laughs> but like you you book it all, like they, you know, they they just they want to book it all like and get it done. They don't want to have to be worrying with this every two weeks. Like, hey, we gotta book it up. So basically, you 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 tell them you know what your travel plans are gonna be for the entire rest of the season. So it's it's literally flights every week for the rest of the season, like from now through April. And so last year I was like, you know what, I'll do my radio show um, every afternoon and I'll just take the latest flight out of Memphis to get to New York and uh, it'll be fine. I'll just fly at night and um, and then on Thursdays when I'm coming home, I'll take the earliest flight possible to ensure I get home. Uh, early enough to do radio. And after about two weeks of that, I realized it was an awful plan because Mondays were just hectic. I'd wake up and I'd do uh, the podcast and then I'd go uh, write the poll attacks and then I'd go do the radio show. And then I was on a plane um, every night for like Big Monday. Like I never got to watch the Monday night games. I, and then like one... Yeah, one, I remember that actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I never got to watch the Monday night games. Like if it if there was any Monday night games last season, I didn't see them unless I was trapped in an airport, which happened all the time. I got stuck in Atlanta twice, got stuck in Washington, D.C. once. So it was just a disaster. And then on Thursdays, I would end up being in studio Wednesday night till like 1.30 a.m., which is about how late you are. And my flight would be like leaving out of wherever at 6 a.m. Car picks me up at 4 a.m. I'd go on no sleep, get back home. Thir- like it's just the whole thing was just miserable. But because it was all booked early, um, I was just I just had to get through it. And and uh, and so I did. But this year I've decided I'm going to go up early on Mondays. So and, and actually do my radio show on Mondays from New York as opposed to from Memphis. And that way, when I get done with that radio show at, at 6 Central, 7 Eastern, like I'm in my hotel, 
I can watch the games. I can get some work done. And I don't feel like I'm rushing all day long. So uh, what that means as it relates to the podcast is that uh, I'll be on a plane tomorrow morning and unavailable. So, yeah, Sunday night podcast, if that's cool with you. And and then we'll do – and it'll kind of depend on the day. But the second podcast will exclusively the rest of the season be posted on Friday mornings. I think that's probably the plan. So like yeah. a Monday morning podcast and a Friday morning podcast. And uh, if we have to adjust, we will because like whatever. We're in charge of this thing. So – um. Here's the great news. Because I changed my travel schedule, I will not be on a plane tomorrow night. I'll be in New York tomorrow night and in front of a television uh, to watch uh, a number one versus number two matchup. It'll be the first one that we've had since uh, Kentucky and Michigan State played in the Champions Classic back in 2013. Uh, It'll be Kansas against Oklahoma inside Allen Fieldhouse. I think at this point most people understand Kansas is probably going to be number one in the AP poll. Uh, Oklahoma. I, I'm probably going to be number one in the coaches poll. If you just if if people just vote the way they voted last week, um, because Kansas is two right now and one and three in the other, Oklahoma's two and one and three in the other, um, then we could have actually a very rare. I think it's only happened one time ever. I think. I mean, it, if it's happened sometime else, I, I'm unaware of it, and no one's alerted me, and I've looked, but I think. Uh, the Odin and Conley Ohio State team that yep. beat Alondra Tucker's Wisconsin team in 07. Uh, I, I oddly just remember that game so well because it was kind of ugly and a disaster. Um, but, uh, but I think that's the only time. And I hope the coaches don't screw this up. I want number one versus number one tomorrow. And GP, real quick, mm-hmm. before I forget to bring this up. So here's the weird thing. Um, I think the Champions Classic has become this huge event uh, uh, for college basketball in, of, in and of itself. But it's also so early, so early in the season that... You know, when I saw this one, two thing was going to happen, you know, what popped in my mind. I was like, wow, we haven't had this since Memphis, Tennessee. And I put a question out on Twitter earlier and I was like, how many times do you think this has happened? Yada, yada. And people are like, I don't know, but I think the last time was Memphis, Tennessee. I wonder why people don't at least, you know, in my mind, that's what I thought. And, and quite a few people that got back to me, they had forgotten that Kentucky, Michigan State was a one versus two. And as I thought about it after, I was like, no, I remember that being a big deal. And I was talking about it on the podcast and GP was going to be there. But to me, because, listen, I, I, Memphis, Tennessee was before I had the CBS gig. I was running College Hoops Journal, but also you know, I had my day job as a sports editor in Connecticut. But I remember just how freaking huge a deal that game was, partly because of the Memphis, Tennessee dynamic right. and the relationship. No doubt you were probably at that game. I was there. Can we? Can you just give a you know a quick two three minute wrap up on just you know what that was and why? There's got to be something about it beyond just a Bruce Pearl Calipari or was Calipari there? Yeah, it was. Cal- yeah, he was, was there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. It, it so was, it was maybe the that's it. But that's it. Still has this lingering effect yeah. all these years later. Even though like in this given year, like Memphis is not relevant. And Tennessee was certainly has gone through ridiculous times since Pearl left. Yeah, well, it, it it registered differently. I think for a variety of reasons. One, because it happened in February as opposed to November, yes. right in the middle of a football season. Here's the other different thing, as I'm sort of thinking through this right now. So the new polls are going to come out on Monday afternoon, right? And it's going to have Kansas and Oklahoma one versus two in some order. Uh, uh, One one and two in some order. Well, and then we're going to play the game Monday night. Like there's not a whole lot of time to really build to it, you know? Like we really didn't start talking about that. The other one was on a Saturday college game day. Yeah, this one was – you had it. Yeah, it was Saturday college game day. See, so it was already – scheduled for a college game day you know espn they don't pick the basketball sites every every week like they do in football like in football they they get together on saturday night or early sunday and they say okay next week we're going to notre dame you know whatever Mm -hmm. in basketball it's all scheduled way in advance like in like 
in the summer. Like it's scheduled like literally in the summer. So it was already Tennessee Memphis supposed to be game day. So you get locked in, you're locked in a game day, whether it's one one against two or 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 70 against 90, it wouldn't have mattered. It was going to be game day. But my point is it was game day. So and then it was Saturday. So the polls come out on that Monday. You have Memphis one, Tennessee two, and then you've got every day to build toward toward it in February. It's after the Super Bowl. All the football games have been played, and then you get, you know, the college game day originating from you know, right off of Bill Street in, in downtown Memphis. And then you also had, you know, it was John Calipari, who's sort of a larger-than-life figure anyway. Bruce Pearl, who had become like a larger-than-life figure. And and then it had Derrick Rose, too, right? And that whole Memphis team, it sort of had this... That was the team that went that went to the title game. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole Memphis team. Oh, and, oh, here's the other, and Memphis was undefeated. Mm, there you go. Yeah, so it was deep in February. People were talking about you know, a possible undefeated team. So Memphis wasn't only ranked number one, Memphis was undefeated. And then of course, uh, Tennessee comes in and wins the game. And um, it like that, the, like one, but I remember I actually didn't go, my, my wife and kid, my, my old, my younger boy wasn't born yet, but my, uh, my older boy was. My wife and kid and my mother, I think went down there for game day. But like we, I just remember we had a bunch. Like the, obviously there was a bunch of media in town, so it was like me and uh, I'm trying to think who all was there. I remember Jay Billis. I, mean, I remember Jay Billis was with, with me. Pat Forty. I want to say it was like me, Pat Forty, Jay Billis, Dan Wetzel. I'm not name dropping. I'm just sort of reliving this. Um, but we stayed out so late on that Friday night. <laughs> I couldn't possibly like uh, Kelly came. She was like, "Hey, are, are we still going downtown?" I was like, "There's no way I can go downtown." And it feels like there was another scandal, like. Like at that at same time, yeah. Like I want to say, I'd have yeah. to do. I look. I want to say it was like, is that the same year, Kelvin Sampson? Uh, I don't. Th- I'm. I'm gonna Google this real quick. I remember the Sampson thing. I don't think so because I remember where I watched the Memphis Tennessee game. It was actually my now in laws, and I was dating my uh, now wife. We were just boyfriend girlfriend at the time. And I remember when I wrote the Samson thing, I didn't even live in the same residence. How about I this? when I had to write that. How good is my memory? Uh, on Friday, February 22nd, 2008, Kelvin Samson was forced to resign due to allegations. That's, dude, that is insane. That's so I remember it was that Friday. This, this is, wow. this is exactly that what happens before the game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm starting really to remember how this, all this went down. I the plan was for me to do my ra- I was my radio show at that point was a morning radio show. So mm-hmm. and I was up late Thursday night working, got like no sleep, right? And so my plan was to do the radio show on Friday morning and then go get a nap and then take all the all my friends who are media members who were in town, like take them out to have like a real night in Memphis. And the Kelvin Sampson stuff broke and I ended up having to work and write and report. I never got a nap. And so, mm. and then I stayed out all night Friday night. So by the time, game, by the time my poor wife and, and, and little boy woke up and they were like, Hey, it's time to go downtown. I was like, there's no scenario under which I can go downtown. Like so I wait a second. Real, real quick. Was that, did he lose his job that day or did yeah. the scandal break? No, that that's the day he would re- That's the day he resigned. Okay. I it, think, yeah, I'm confusing my memories. Cause I remember when it broke, I definitely, that was not one that it couldn't have been the same day. Yeah, I no, just remember, I remember writing it for the, my old site when it, and I wasn't in the same house. It so was, that's... it was Friday. Um, Kelvin Sampson resigns. And then the Saturday was the Derek Rose, the Memphis, Memphis Tennessee yeah. game. Right. Yeah. And so, um, 
But it like listen, it, I mean, that, it was a party all day long downtown. Like people got out there for game day, and then they stayed all day. For, you know, just down because like for people who've never been to FedEx Forum, it is like it's like actually on Bill Street. Like you walk out and there's there's Bill Street, like one of the most famous bar streets in the world. Uh, and uh, so it was just a party all day long. And uh, and then you got Bruce Pearl. Like you do you remember this? Like in the pregame, he's at a he's at a bar like. With Tennessee, um, Tennessee fans, it's like a like a pregame pep rally for Tennessee fans. And Bruce Pearls, like you know, gets on the mic and he's giving a speech. And he's like, "Whatever, it's great to be here. This is a wonderful opportunity." You know, whatever coaches say. And then he said, "Now we're going to go over there inside that building, and we're going to beat Memphis's ass." <laughs> and, and the place goes nuts, right? And then they beat Memphis's ass. And then do you remember this part of it? So then Tennessee goes to number one in the country, and, and then they lose to Kentucky. No, at Vanderbilt. At Vandy. How about okay. this? I, I might be the only person who's ever done this, except for like the Tennessee beat writers. I should probably rephrase. Um, I watched the number one team in the country lose on a Saturday and then watched the number one team in the country lose again on a Tuesday. It's two different teams. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, wow. uh, yeah, no. Well, that's was, pretty cool. I mean, yeah. and hopefully listeners enjoyed that trip down memory lane. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, like, the, listen, that was I, that was a huge event that season. And, and certainly uh, that, you know, Calipari Memphis, that was the pinnacle. As for yeah. Oklahoma, Kansas, um, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great too. I, it's listen. It's awesome because Oklahoma's undefeated. Uh, it's got a cool wrinkle in that this has actually happened before when they were in the Big Eight. Although it was in the Big Eight tournament where um, Oklahoma actually was the number one, Kansas was the number two. But they have met before in a one versus two game. Kansas yeah. only has one loss. Kansas has become the team that listen. They were my preseason pick to win it all, but they've now and with with good reason. They are seen as the most uh, ideal choice to win the title. I don't have Vegas odds in front of me, but I guess if you were to look at futures right now, if we have any up to, you know, up to the minute ones, I would think Kansas is the odds on pick to win the title. It's tough to win a fog Allen. I, I saw a stat. I didn't put it. I have a, uh, a post, a story. If you want to read it on cbsports.com of just all the stats and facts and history of number one versus number two, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I did not include this because I'm sure it's true, but I, I couldn't believe it. Oklahoma has not won. At Fog Allen since '93, GP, did you see this? I mean, that's nobody, like, nobody's won at Fog Allen. Ever. I know they never win, but like they've <laughs> I, been in the same conference the whole time. Like Oklahoma hasn't even st- stolen one there in 22 years. I saw this one yesterday. Somebody tweeted um, that Scott Drew now has more losses in Allen Fieldhouse than Bill Self. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Think is about that, that for a second. Think about how that crazy is that outrageous, is. Outrageous. The true. Baylor coach. The current who's who's been damn a, good consistently for a long time. The Baylor coach, because it's like this ain't no like a shot at Scott Drew as much as it's just like how incredible is Bill Self. Uh, the Baylor coach has, and please let me. I just read this on Twitter. It might not even be true. <laughs> it, might, it might be though, <laughs> but it might be true. It sounded true when I read it. Um, the Baylor coach has more losses inside Allen Fieldhouse than the than Bill Self. Which is just unbelievable. If, if it's true, let me let me. If it's true, that's an unbelievable fun fact. Man, and to, uh, to your point, yes, I just looked it up at sportsbook.ag. Uh, the favorite to win the national championship right now is Kansas at plus six fifty. And and you can't really argue against it with no. with the schedule that they've played. And when you look at their, you know, they're the number one team in Ken Palm right now. Their only loss came to Michigan State, and obviously Michigan State has yet to lose when it is at full strength with 
arguably the front runner for the player of the year in Denzel Valentine. Um, they they look really good, and I expect Kansas to win tomorrow night. I really hope we get a good game. Just a little more um, statistical background on this. Number one versus number two is I actually thought the average margin would be a little closer, but it's a it's an in the world regular season and all time, there's been 39 meetings ever between a number one versus number two. But a lot of those came back when they actually voted when the NCAA tournament was going on, which doesn't happen anymore. So it's, it's kind of a skewed number. There's been 22 regular season games and the average margin is still uh, more than 11 points, but we've had a lot of one possession, one point games as well. I hope we get that oddly enough. In interconference or intraconference one versus two games, the number two ranked team in those games is five and two, and the home team overall in regular season play at true home and away sites is just seven and seven. It's just weird. You'd think the number one team might have a slight advantage, and the home teams might have a slight advantage. That hasn't been the case. Oklahoma will have the best player on the floor tomorrow night, but Kansas has the better and the deeper team. It, uh, this is, in my opinion terrifically time for college basketball because i know that the college football national championship game is still upcoming but you know what it's a little bit out of sight out of mind because we haven't hit the pregame press rush on that the bowl games were garbage mostly i mean that new year's eve thing was a disaster and i can't believe they're going to continue to do it but that's a whole other issue my point is they're going to go into tomorrow night on monday night college football is going to have wrapped up you'll have the nfl playoff seedings and whatnot that's fine but i'm telling you college basketball's like real first conference feel of a big monday you get the you get this i mean you couldn't have timed it any bit better no it's it's terrific timing i mean it, it is literally that the uh first big monday of the season right and you get a number one versus number two um and i'm looking at the nba schedule there's really nothing great on it either um yeah. so like yeah. i mean you've got you know, they, you've got the audience. I mean, the audience is yours. There's no football. I mean, that, yeah, there is no football, right? Because no, uh, yeah. there's no football. Because uh, you know, as we record this, actually, Minnesota and Green Bay, because it's week 17, right. and so every year they want to get all the games done. They always leave the Sunday night football game on week 17 every year is right. with some sort of serious playoff consequence to it. And so with that, it's 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 just a, it's a huge event. And there's there's actual to me there are there are some real stakes behind this because if Oklahoma wins tomorrow night and Buddy Heel does what he's done, he's going to be the front runner for player of the year for however long that lasts, whatever. He's gonna that he will be taking the front because Oklahoma will have won at Kansas for the first time in more than twenty years and they'll still be undefeated and they'll have done it in this big time game if he's able to show up well. Regardless of who wins, if Oklahoma does win, then we'll have the We'll start the conversation of, okay, is Oklahoma going to be the team that finally prevents Kansas from winning a regular season title? That's happened 11 years in a row. Whether Oklahoma or Kansas wins, regardless, you'll have just some pole positioning for the number one seed. And I get that it's round robin in Big 12, and I love it because they're going to play each other twice. But in the short term, you know, we will have some bigger takeaways from this game. And I, and I do like that about, about the sport and the way that, you know, we can have these things that I understand that it's not week by week and it's not college football and they don't live and die with wins and losses. But these games do have significance and they do matter. Even when you've got teams with that combined for one loss down the road, this could mean something because if Oklahoma wins tomorrow night, then they'll probably, probably win at home. And if you have beaten Kansas twice, that could mean the Big 12 title and that could certainly mean a number one seed for long crew. Oh, sure. Like, listen, if Oklahoma goes in there and wins and if you're wondering, uh, Kansas is open as a five-point favorite – um, if Oklahoma goes in there and wins, then yeah, because like if you know the, the team that ultimately wins the Big Twelve, because there's a handful of teams that I think could reasonably do it. Like Kansas, obviously, Oklahoma, obviously, Iowa State. They could still do it, but I, it would have been it would have helped them if they had beaten Oklahoma 
Um, Are those the three? You wouldn't give anybody else a real shot of winning. I can't. I, and listen, let's let's give some real credit to the Big Twelve and how good it's been again. Um, it's it's kind of like, just like last year. Exactly, and it's definitively the best conference in the sport. Ooh, I, I gave it a lot of public. I don't last know year. about that. I mean, here's what it is. It is it is it is the best at not having lots of garbage. Yeah, and that helps because when you've got less inventory and you know like the ACC has so many teams, uh you know, I, I get that. I, I, maybe I was a little too strong there GP, but the fact that you've got and I'm not saying that that Texas Tech is necessarily going to go to the tournament, but they're 11 and 1, they're, they're not definitely bad. they're not bad. Um West Virginia is really good. They're 12-1 right now. Kansas State is way better than I thought it would be at 10-3. I mean, Texas is near the bottom of the league, and it's 8-5. And, and we know that Texas has the talent to at least steal a few games. So I think the point that you're getting to is, you know, we, there's challengers there. But regardless, it's almost impossible at this point. Whoever wins the Big 12 is going to get a one seed. It would, it would take just the weirdest... Uh, random events from other leagues and inside this league for that not to be the case. Well, the only way it wouldn't happen is if people just put too much emphasis. Because like the, the whoever wins the Big Twelve, like Kansas might might like everything I'm about to say could end up being true. Kansas, best team in the country, with five Big Twelve losses, like that might happen. That that absolutely could happen. It happened last that, year. <laughs> that, that that was that was the case. Wow. You know, they lost five. They, they, Kansas won right. the Big Twelve and lost five times. Like the the, yeah. the problem with this league, the league is, had no one seeds. Is huh. is once you get like right now, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of the teams are in the top sixty at Kenpom. All right, eight. So you're playing a legitimate at large team, you know, candidate. Basically, mm-hmm. every game, or at worst, every other game. Like, there's no escaping it. You don't get, like in the ACC, you still get an opportunity, you know, no, no matter who you are, you still get a game against Boston College. You know, you still get a game against, with all due respect, the buzz and his big win over the weekend, right. Virginia Tech. Um, you know, like, you still got some places where you can reasonably expect to go on the road and win. That's the key to winning uh, league championships. Can you, can you win your home games? And then still some on the road. Well, where can you reasonably expect to win on the road? Like even like I think West Virginia is really good. You know they had they needed double overtime to go win at Kansas State. Like where where are you? It's where, really only it's honestly it's only TCU. I mean if we want to be real, that's the only spot. Right TC now. like you. I don't care who you are in the league. Like let's actually look this. Yeah, look, let's look this up. So if Kansas played at, I'm trying to look at a bot. If Kansas, Which, by the way, Kansas lost at TCU like two years ago. Right. It was the most shocking thing ever. So, like, if Kansas, if if we take TCU and just put them over to the side, right, and then and you say, okay, who's the the next worst team in the league? Uh, according to Ken Palm right now, I believe it's actually well, it's Oklahoma State. Oh, okay, Oklahoma let's yeah, State, yeah, yeah. They, they're terrible. Let's take them. Let's take, let's put them with TCU. They lost the homie Phil Forte probably for the year. So that's, 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 that's so no good that's either. so disappointing. Let's yeah. um okay, let's take them and put them over there together. Um, after that. It's probably like Kansas State. Now, how many people are going to be? How big of a favorite are you going to be at Kansas State? If you're Kansas, if you're Kansas at Oklahoma, like okay, I'll tell you right now, Kansas would be, according to Ken Palm, a seven point favorite at Kansas State. So, like, we're you know, you're in real basketball games. Yeah, you're in real basketball games more consistently in this league than you'll be in any other league. I, I probably, 
I don't know. I, I could make an argument for the ACC, but uh, let's let's not spend much more time arguing it. Like the Big Twelve is awesome, and it's gonna yeah, be, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a hell of a lot of fun. And I think you know ultimately it's gonna come down to who can steal one on the road. And so while Kansas is still the favorite to win the Big Twelve and the favorite to win the national championship, if Oklahoma goes in there to Allen Fieldhouse and 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 steals one, and really what does stealing one mean? It means Buddy Hill gets hot. It means. Uh, you know, they, they, plays, yeah, you know, they, you know, well, they knock down, they knock, comes back down to earth. Like, yeah, they yeah. knock, they knock down 13 three pointers. Like any of these things that can happen in any 40 minute basketball game, then suddenly Oklahoma is the legit favorite because they will have. And how good would this be? Um, two games into the schedule, wins over Iowa State and Kansas. Like the yep. two, the two, uh, the two teams that um, are most likely to be competing for that Big 12 title. So, uh, no, I can't wait. Okay, it's it's going to be terrific. And, and like we said, it could be the rare one versus one if one's in the coaches poll, one's in the AP poll. Uh, I hope will. those coaches who text you for your ballot don't screw it up, and you should just give them Oklahoma as the one seed. Right. And so, um, like, you know, the other – I think we mentioned this already, but the other time we had the one versus one was that Ohio State-Wisconsin. I was supposed to go to that game. I got – I think tornadoed in or something like I couldn't get there. I was supposed to fly up on a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday afternoon game, a direct flight to Columbus. And because of like tornado activity in the area, I actually missed the game. I had a ticket. I had a flight. And that was your game. first year with CBS, right? Cause I feel like you told me your first year with the company was Florida's second title. Do I have that wrong? No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, All right, what about the weekend? What do we want to hit on here that happened? Well, um, you know, like it, it's funny. Like there was a, a billion games on Saturday. Like it felt like a so billion many games. And like, yes. but they almost the relevant ones. They went the way they were supposed to go. You know, like there weren't really any any upsets. You know, like um, I, I guess Iowa winning at Purdue. That was obviously an notable. upset, and notable, and upset. But outside of that, there wasn't re- like there was a lot of games, and like some of them went down. You know, Syracuse was up on Miami early, but they lost. Um, you know, uh, Iowa State was up on Oklahoma early, but they lost. Uh, that that was sort of as I sat down late Saturday, early Sunday to to update the top twenty five and one. Uh, that was sort of the first thing I noticed was that you know what, whole bunch of stuff happened yesterday, but it 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 almost happened kind of the way it was supposed to happen. Like uh, Memphis was up on South Carolina, but then South Carolina won. Like the games, uh, with the exception, really, I think of of Iowa Purdue. The games kind of went uh, the way they were supposed to go, but it did put a nice uh, uh, bookend on Iowa's week. You know, that, I, I don't know that anybody had a better week, right? They, they win. They, no one did. Yeah, I mean, they beat Michigan State, and then they win at Purdue. That's two. Those those are two resume wins you put in your back pocket, and you hold them to Selection Sunday. Without a doubt, um, you got to think or hope that Wichita State, the Wichita State win, will look better in time. Right. We'll see. Uh, and Florida State, that might end up being a pretty good one. I think FSU could go either way. They've got a great freshman duo, but Iowa, in my opinion, has put itself in a really good position because it's going to, you know, it's it'll probably listen. Iowa fans know that there have been some games. One this year, they should have beaten Iowa State. I mean, yep. they did to Purdue what Iowa State did to them. It was a, it was a, just a complete choke job. Um, earlier in the season back in uh, the middle of December at uh, at Ames. But, yeah, Iowa, if they win the ones they should win, the fact that you'll have the win over Michigan State and, and the road win at Purdue, they should be uh, in pretty good uh, company at the end of the season. I do want to quickly touch on Gonzaga because they don't have Jemic Karnassi for the rest of the season. He's out with back issues. And, listen, apparently, you know, it could be three discs, uh, and it's – 
it's a bad situation because big men and back issues. I mean, this this literally could cost Karnowski, and I hope it doesn't. And I'm not saying that it will. I'm just saying, like, I, I hope he's going to be okay because big dudes that have back, it's like back and feet. Those are the two things that you don't want him to have issues with, and knees too. But really, you hope this doesn't cost him in his pro career down the road. We'll see what he ends up deciding to do because he has a medical red shirt, and he could come back for Gonzaga next year. Or if he thinks he's got to go and chase the money, he might just end up doing that. But Gonzaga should have lost. On the road at San Francisco, they rallied. I actually got these like odd flashbacks watching that game um, to when Gonzaga just pulled, you know, the most frustrating choke I've ever seen against UCLA in the tournament. And we talked about it on the podcast. We don't need to go back there. But like San Francisco was the same thing. Like you had no business losing this game whatsoever. It was they got tight. It's like we can't beat Gonzaga. And I actually looked. I was like, how often does this happen? San Francisco. They have won somewhat over Gonzaga in the past 10 years. It hasn't been like they only managed one win. Like it's, Gonzaga's won every meeting, I think, in the past three seasons. But still, to me, it signals that without Karnowski, you know, the Wiltshire thing, play of the year, that's just not going to happen. Nope. Um, he, he is not going to be a first-team All-American, barring Gonzaga running the table and him just being uh, an absolute baller. So bring that up simply to say that Gonzaga, with the way it's playing right now, is probably going to put itself into a position where it's going to have to win the auto bid to get in the tournament. What? It, it, Here's why I say it, Jeep, with the way that it's playing right now. Because I, I don't think that it – if it turns it around, but fine. But the defense is – No, they're terrible. <laughs> your, your response is too good. Because they can't lose three West Coast Conference games and feel comfortable with uh, an at-large bid, in my opinion. And right now, I think that they're going to do that. Uh, you know, we'll, well they've see. Only got, they... They've only got one win. Like one good one, the Connecticut win. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you're, so was your what like – like, I just, uh, you know what, like, like no matter what, I thought you were responding. What as in, are you crazy? That's not going to be the case. But you're, well, you're I mean, agreeing. it's just sort of a weird thing to say about a twelve and three team. But I hear, you, I know, you but know? like, you look at the resume, man. So I don't. It's not There's, often we have Mark Few in this position. Yeah, and and maybe they don't. Maybe Gonzaga goes on a tear, and we look up, and they're going to be twenty one and four, and maybe this is an issue. But I just. Like they looked crappy. If if Sabonis doesn't play out of his freaking mind in that game, they lose, and they should have lost. So and it's not just it was a way just... late game that people listening might not have seen. And West Coast things can have a can kind of get glanced over. And Sam's not here to stand up for his uh, his side of the country, but I did want to bring it up. No, and it, it'd be less concerning if it was just hey one of those nights. But um, they they played terribly against Santa Clara too. You know they barely won at. Santa you know what? Clara. That's a good point. And that's one. See, it's a New Year's Eve GP. No one's paying attention. <laughs> they yeah. got it by a two point win. And if you're the coaching staff, you're like, oh, listen, winning on the league and the road's never easy. Yada yada. Whatever. Like you barely beat Santa Clara. You barely got past San Francisco. Getting those were definitely huge. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. So those were the two big collapses. Uh, from the weekend. I mean, lots happened since we had this podcast. Chris Dunn and, and you made a great point. I hadn't thought about it until I saw your tweet because I'd kind of been tweeting about Providence, and I'll let you kind of uh, expand on this. But Providence wins at Butler, and Dunn shows out like Bentil's looking good. And what was the point you made? Just that if you were doing midseason awards or like pre-conference awards or any of those type of stuff people do, you could. I'm not. I'm not saying it would have to be this because like, I, but it could be this. Coach of the year at Cooley. Uh, player of the year, Chris Dunn. Most surprising team, Providence. Uh, most improved player, Ben Bentel, right? You could do all of that. Now, listen, you could also do, um, you know, coach of the year, uh, Lon Kruger. You could, but. Or, or coach of the year, um, Chris Mack. And player of the year, Buddy Hill. Then, 
And like, there's a lot of different ways you could you go could, with this. But, but I'm, just like, saying, I'm just saying, with what Cooley's done, let's remember we did not have done as our player of the year no. because we were not sure they were a We were not comfortable with thinking of Providence as a surefire NCAA tournament team, and now it would take an utter collapse for that not to be the case. And it's funny, I talked to Ed a few weeks back um, after they had lost to Michigan State, beat Arizona, but before obviously they had uh, won at Butler and, and really won every game since they've lost uh, to Michigan State. Um, and he said, you know, I, I, I cause they, they, you know, they lost, um, uh, oh God, I can't even think of his name now. The, the big score. Not Are you talking big, about from last what? year's team? Oh, uh, <laughs> what is his name? Oh my gosh. No, I know it. I know it. I know it. Um, la, uh, la, la, la. I know it. Hold on. It's Let la. Me just... It's la. No, it, it's uh, la. LaDante Hinton. LaDante Hinton. I yes, told you. Yes. Who yeah. was like, a, by the way, a, a supremely underrated do-it-all player in my preseason write-up last year. I, you know, I talked to some coaches in the league and they, everyone was like, he's a crazy scout. He's without a doubt the most underrated player in the league. Right. Like he was... So, yeah. So, um, they lose him. And you just don't know. Like, like Ed was pretty candid. He's like, I didn't know how good we were going to be. He said, I still don't know how good we are. He said, but I know this. Like, after looking at the way we play and our personnel, um, he said, when I when when we're preparing for a team, we always look at that team and we go. And I'm paraphrasing here, but these are basically his words. He said, when when we're preparing for a team, like if we're playing Michigan State, I look at Michigan State and I go, okay, how are we going to guard them? How are we going to guard this team? How are we going to guard Denzel Valentine? How are we going to guard Brent Forbes? How are we going to guard this team? And he said, if I were look in the other locker room looking at our team, I would say, and excuse my language, but how in the F are we going to guard those guys? Because you can't guard Chris Dunn in a pick and roll. No doubt. Okay, so like, good luck. I mean, he is a pro who happens no to shot. be in college. Yeah. All right? So he's a star. Benthel is like their five man, but he ain't a center. I mean, he's a, he's, he shoots more than three, three pointers per game. So yeah. they can really spread. And then they got other capable shooters. And like Fazekas isn't even playing right now. Wait till he gets back. So, yeah. so they've got, and listen, let me be very clear. I am not comparing them to the Golden State Warriors, but in the sense that the Warriors are such an, like they just scrap conventional basketball wisdom and just say, hey, you know what? We're going to play this way. And like you, you, you figure out how you're going to deal with us, right? We're going to put Draymond Green at center and then we're going to let him play on the perimeter and you figure it out. You know, we, we're not, we don't have to play. Well, you figure us out if you can. Uh, Providence is kind of doing that a little bit. Like, um, you know, Ed even told me they do watch some Warriors film to, to get ideas. And um, when you put in. Interesting. And which, by the way, they should, because this team can get up and down. They were going to do that. They knew that's what they were going to be. They were going to be a fast up and down team, especially with Dunn and his capability. So that's intriguing. Yeah, like he, he um, you know, listen, they don't play like the Warriors. I don't, I'm trying to, I don't want to make, I don't want to sound like I'm overstating it. But um, they, they basically just said, uh, we've got a one who's unbelievable. We've got a five who's incredibly versatile. We're going to put other shooters on the court and we're going to spread you out and, you know, and 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 put Chris Dunn in in pick and roll situations, and we're gonna. Oh, he said. You know, in one game earlier this year, I can't remember which one he said. I didn't. It's not a game that I had watched, but he said we started basically playing Chris Dunn at center, like just letting him. Like, okay, you you're gonna which go. Is... Like, yeah, we told him he was the rim runner now. So like, you're our rim runner. We're gonna post you up. He said. He said we scored on like three straight possessions. He's like, so we will go a variety of different ways on the offensive end, and we've got the type of star who can make it make it work. And again, like, like I wrote, I guess it was on New Year's Eve or whatever day it was. 
Um, I don't know if Providence is really one of the top five, six, seven teams in the country, but they undeniably got one of the top five, six, seven resumes in the country right now. And um, man, it's a, it's a really fun basketball team. And the idea that it's a local guy, you know, it's from Providence, a local guy coaching his hometown school. And somehow, some way, he's got maybe the most surprising team in the country. And maybe, if not for Ben Simmons, a kid who'd be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a neat story. It really is. And I think it'll be even neater and more well-known. I think as we get, as, as we get closer to March, um, Dunn is just, listen, we've talked about him a lot on podcasts and rightfully so and wrote about a lot about him because, and he's lived up to it. I mean, you nailed it when he is a pro playing in college right now. Like you just watch Providence play, watch Chris Dunn on the court. Okay, he is ridiculous, and he's—I mean—he's just so ready for the NBA. I'm glad he came back because Providence is a national story, and he's a Player of the Year front runner. But dude is like—he can—I'm he, telling you—he could step into the league tomorrow and earn significant minutes. Oh, no, no question, he could be in a rotation for a playoff team tomorrow. Um, like, like we talk about—I have said this before—but like Jamal Murray is a future pro who's a college player right now. You know what I'm saying? I agree, and I say that someone who was super high on Murray right. early on, and he has not been as good as I thought he would be. Right, like Diallo, future pro, who is like a co- very much a college player right now. Um, Chris Dunn's a pro right now. Like, he's a pro player who happens to be playing college basketball. He's, like, to me, and I know Simmons is putting up ridiculous numbers. I think Ben Simmons is the best. I mean, I think... Um, I think Chris Dunn's the best player in college basketball. So do I. Yeah. I. I'm I'm there with you. And like you watch Simmons play, and you you know you get a similar vibe to that. But Dunn just simply does it all, and he can create his own shot, and he can shoot better too. Overall, I mean that's that's kind of what separates it uh, for me right now. And and plus his team is just generally speaking uh, winning more, which was certainly you know adds adds I guess to that overall aura. You buy in South Carolina or no? Okay, so you. <sighs> All right, I'm not I'm not buying South Carolina as and I'm actually a guy who let me get a little long-winded but not too long-winded with this. I'm a guy who gives undefeated teams uh, a lot of benefit of the doubt because you know what? A lot of teams play crappy schedules and yep. a lot of those teams don't win all their games. So even if you play a bad schedule and you win all your games, you deserve a lot of props. I am on board with South Carolina as a top 25 team right now because most of the time if you can get to January without a loss, I'm pretty on board with you getting into the polls. I'm not sure I buy South Carolina as one of the 25 best teams. So most deserving, yes. Best, not yet. Now, they did get a nice home win, I guess, 10 points over Memphis. Your your city's team is... Uh, They're just okay. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Memphis yeah. has got some issues. Give Frank Martin a ton of credit. Defense is looking really good. I, I've seen, I've seen him on TV twice this year, I guess. Saw the Memphis game... And I saw some of their Clemson game. They've got stuff there, but like I just got to see what else comes in SEC play. The problem for South Carolina is this. The schedule is not great, and the SEC has got some issues. I mean, even like Vanderbilt's coming to South Carolina on Saturday, and that's a game that South Carolina you know, should win and hopefully will win. But, you know, the newsflash is that Vanderbilt, they got issues. Vanderbilt's not an NCAA t- tournament team right now, and they should be. They have the talent. They've got multiple uh, NBA draft picks on that team. And here's the deal with Vanderbilt. They're 8-5, and five, and the five best teams they've played, they've all lost to, okay? Their standout win came against Wake Forest. Otherwise, they've lost to Kansas. They've lost to Baylor. They've lost to Dayton. They've lost to Purdue. And they've lost to LSU. All losses. Best wins, Stony Brook and Wake and Western Michigan. So it's not like suddenly... 
I think we just need to step back a little further, even more so, and look at the SEC and realize that Kentucky's down, and overall, it's just not a great league. So with South Carolina, they could probably get there, and I might be wrong in the end, but I don't for sure think that they're one of the 25 best teams in the country right That's now. fair. I, I would say this, um, and this is sort of what I wrote. Like, people are you know, still nitpicking South Carolina. They haven't played anybody. And I, I, clearly, they haven't really played anybody. I think, I think their best opponents so far are Tulsa at Clemson and Memphis, right? Like basically top 70, 80, 90. To be fair, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. Tulsa has not been nearly as good as no. many expected it to be. No. Okay, like right now, Tulsa is, 80, is 79th at Ken Palm. Memphis is 71 and uh, Clemson's 88. So according to Ken Palm, the best team South Carolina played is Memphis. They beat them by double digits, although uh, that was a close game in the final minutes. Um, so like you could, like, like, okay, they haven't beaten anybody. I agree. But like you said, uh, what they also haven't done, sometimes we focus too much on, on who, what, they, who have they beaten? Well, okay, who have they not lost to? All right? Because like what, once you get down to around, you know, the 20, 21, 22, 23 place in the country, like those teams consistently lose to, to bad teams, um, you know, or teams at least the same caliber of a Memphis or a Tulsa or a Clemson. So, uh, listen, this undefeated record isn't as impressive as, say, Oklahoma's undefeated record, although Oklahoma really only has one uh, uh, or two, I guess, at this point, two good wins. But my point is to focus on all that is to, like, really miss the larger point. And the larger point is that South Carolina's undefeated. (laughs) It, yeah. it, on, on January third, like South Carolina, it's only, South Carolina. That's, definitely, that, that's yeah. my point. It, like South Carolina hasn't made the NCAA tournament since two thousand four. Hadn't been to the Sweet Sixteen since nineteen seventy three. When you are undefeated, one of only three undefeated teams in the country left. Like that's a good thing. Like we we can we can argue the details, but like the big picture is like Frank Martin has South Carolina undefeated in January. That's pretty amazing. Uh, you know what? You do make a good point there, and and props to Frank Martin for doing it. Um, I just, I just wonder uh, if South Carolina might become emblematic of the SEC in general later this year. We'll see what happens in the league. There's a lot of intrigue there, but I think it's fair to say we definitely expected the conference to be better, and I still think it will get better. You know, next year, the year after, I think the coaching in the league speaks for itself. But the results this year are indicating that that's not a top four league in the country. No, but here's a, here's I actually could argue that that's good news for South Carolina, right? Because there are two teams that are, are right around the ranked, but people don't know if they should be range, and that's South Carolina and Pittsburgh. You know, because people say mm-hmm. the same thing about Pitt as they say about South Carolina. Who have they really beaten? And whatever. But like, if you're Pitt, you let's say you really are a t- not not even a top twenty-five team, but like a legit top thirty-five team. Like, let's say both of these teams are like not really. Which I would probably yeah. buy probably buy both of that and South Carolina a little more than Pitt. Okay, so let's just say they're both both of them are a little quote overrated right now based on a a, a schedule that has provided a bunch of wins but little else. Um, but but even if they're not top 25, they are actually top 35, top 40 teams. Well, you go into the ACC and you get exposed quickly there. I mean, you got to deal with Virginia, you got to deal with Duke, you got to deal with Carolina, you got to deal with Louisville. Um, like there's a bunch of places that you can get banged up. In the SEC, who scares you? Honestly, it's only Kentucky and even the level of scare there is a yeah. significant uh, drop from what it was a year ago. Yeah, Kentucky's uh, – Texas A&M's playing well. I, they I, are, but yeah, they don't scare anyone. They don't yet. scare me. No, Florida is like whatever. You know, I don't think they've beaten anybody. Uh, no, of significance a new, new yet. coach. No, there's no, there's no. Trust me, there's no 
There's no scare factor right. anywhere except in Lexington. Right. So who, Vanderbilt's not as good as they're supposed to be. I think we talked about this like recently. Like um, everybody is basically like Texas A&M's about what they were supposed to be. South Carolina's better than what they were supposed to be. Uh, and basically everybody else is worse, you know, all the teams that matter. So like to me, this is great news for South Carolina because even if you are a little bit of a byproduct of your week schedule, um, you're halfway home now. You know, like right, just go you're, – you're, you're playing better teams going forward, but you ain't playing too many great ones. So like just, you know, again, win your home games, still a few on the road. I think they'll be in a position on Selection Sunday to get an at-large bid of the tournament. I would bet right now that South Carolina is in the NCAA tournament. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I would bet they are. I, I'm going to say yes, but I, I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say double-digit seed. But and we'll we'll see. But that is actually a, I yeah, that's a that's I would say definitely South Carolina more likely than Pitt, just to use a team that you use as an example. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. I think the SEC overall. I mean, Kentucky A and M. I don't think LSU's going. Um, so South Carolina is three. They'll probably get a fourth in there, though. I'll say they get four, but three is honestly three is not out of the question at this point, which is a little ridiculous. All right, well, let's close this out by looking ahead a little bit. We've talked about the likely one versus uh, versus two matchup between Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, it sort of completely got overshadowed for a couple of different reasons. One, because Kansas Oklahoma is is on Big Monday, uh, but the undercard, the early game, it's North Carolina Florida State at Florida State. Like the yeah. pre, the pre, yeah. we we could have a one against two tomorrow night. Um, oh, and the preseason number one could take its third loss because I, I haven't seen a point spread yet, but I can't imagine North Carolina's more than about a two, three, four point favorite down in Tallahassee. I think you're probably right on that. Um, and Florida State, this will be a pretty significant game because obviously the national audience, Dwayne Bacon and uh, Malik Beasley are two guys that have consistently uh, been in the top seven of my freshman of the year watch. They've both been really good. Bacon's streakier, but more fun to watch. Beasley is just been way better than I think anyone expected, and they've got uh, ZXRM, Xavier Raton Mace, who last year went for like 33 points in four minutes or something ridiculous like yeah. that, so he can go off. So they've got like a lot of style and pizzazz to them. It's a big game for sure. If FSU wants to you know, find itself in the at-large mix and, and have discussions about it, win this game, and I think that it can, I'm not saying that it necessarily will. I really hope it's close, but for an undercard, it's definitely intriguing, and I think you know, outside of people that follow the sport intensely, listen to this podcast. It might be one that takes people by surprise and, you know, oh, check out uh, check out the game because FSU is leading by, you know, five against UNC with four to go. I think that could be a, a situation we're looking at. FSU is just tricky here. I don't, to me, they're a program GP where over the past, like, eight, nine years, almost every year they have, like, they've had a couple really good games where they beat Duke. Like, they'll have one or two of those games a year where they, like, they look so good and they get these great wins. But then you, like, go look at the schedule and you're like, well, like what, are you, what what's going on here? Why'd you lose this, this game, right? Yeah, and this year there's only been one so far, really. I mean, the Clemson loss on the road that they suffered, I don't totally fault them. They probably should have won if they lost, but they lost to Hofstra. I mean, and Hofstra's, listen, it's a good CAA team. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but we'll see. Right. FSU is definitely intriguing. Leonard Hamilton is one of the more feared coaches on the recruiting trail. But if Carolina loses, the, and the story will be if Carolina loses. Sure. It won't be Florida State winning. It will be Carolina losing and how that will shake up the ACC. But you bring up a good point. That's also a really good point. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it won't be that shock. Like, people will go, oh, it, 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 I, again, I'll look at the point spread at some point. I haven't seen it yet. I bet you it's 
Carolina. I'm gonna. Knights. I would say two, three, Carolina four. three. I would say yeah, it's a, about like that, right? And then yeah. of course Tuesday night Kentucky at LSU. So that'll be a good one. For oh, us. okay. Uh, yeah. This is real quick here because mm-hmm. we'll probably talk if LSU wins. We'll definitely talk about it on the podcast Friday, even though we'll be a few days from it. And I was kind of said before we started recording last time to talk about LSU, <laughs> but I will say, listen, some people got this whole like LSU. It's actually become this. Um, this uh, subplot to the college basketball season, the people that uh, hate Johnny Jones and the people that love Ben Simmons and, and the internal uh, subtweeting that goes on just because LSU beat an average Vandy team on the road does not mean LSU is back. I, the winning against Kentucky would definitely flip the conversation entirely. I still, if they want, if they beat Kentucky in that moment, yes, put them in the tournament, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just not going to buy it would take like an eight-game winning streak for me to like totally buy LSU at this point. I've just seen too much, and I understand that they're getting fully healthy now. They're fully healthy, and Hornsey back, and Victor's in the lineup, and I get all that, and Simmons is amazing. But this will be—you don't get much more profile games than this. You get, beat Kentucky, and I know that's asking a lot, but you put yourself in the hole, and if you can't win at Kentucky, I don't know. I, I would love it. I I, I think Kentucky's going to win by fifteen, honestly. Um, I let's. I didn't think LSU was going to be able to go into Memorial win though. That was pretty wild. Like you know, to go in there and and uh, handle That's it. True, but then it's like one of those things where okay, so they go in and they win it, and then you look at Vandy, and you're like, well, okay, well, yeah, right. well crap. Right. Like you know, it, it is a little surprising. But then you look and Vandy, literally the five best teams it's played, it's lost against. And so did, how did, surprising is it? If I remember correctly, LSU, the Andrew Aaron Harrison team, the freshman season, like they uh, that Kentucky team lost in Baton Rouge. That year, I, rem- okay. I remember it being a Saturday. Um, I just realized this, most of this podcast just is me trying to remember stuff. <laughs> it works. Um, I think it was a Saturday, and I, I just remember it being like the tipping point for the criticism really piling on John Calipari. Like, um, like God, this team really sucks. Like this Kentucky team. Like what preseason number one, and you just lost to a all over the place LSU team. You lost eighty seven eighty two that year. You are right. That was January twenty eighth. That was and, the Harrisons. Julius Randle was on that team. And I think that's when Kentucky finally fell out of the top twenty five. Yeah, because they went they went they were fifteen and five at that point. Right. Um, they finally fell out of the top twenty five, and then of course they got hot and played for the national championship. Yeah, exactly. Which is just bizarre, but. We'll give LSU its due on the next podcast if they win. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and if if they get if they get beat down, and granted it is, uh, hey, listen, it's a huge opportunity. Like, let's not get beat down here. You got Kentucky coming into your place. Win the home game, get that done. Yeah, and then I mean, we'll start taking you more seriously as an NCAA tournament. Well, team. like uh, Kentucky hasn't won a true road game yet, have they? This year, no, and they, uh, they, they went. They went they, to. They lost at UCLA, right, right? And have they played another one? No, I think that's it. I don't think they do because normally he doesn't do that. So yeah, they lost at UCLA. Yeah, this is only the second true road game uh, yes. for Kentucky all season, right? Yeah, and I get the for like I I totally get people get frustrated with all the LSU Ben Simmons talk. It's not a great team, but the fact is like the dude's amazing to watch and he's fun to watch. And it, I can't I kind of can't stop watching LSU because I see a bunch of dudes making some really good plays, and then the whole team itself kind of like falls apart. In on itself, and it's like, what is going on? So there's a, a can't-look-away factor with them. But you're right. I mean, the road, the road factor could be interesting. So it's it's the second most intriguing game of the week to me behind, obviously, the Big E on Monday night. Well, uh, let's get out of here then. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. Yeah, you should do that because 
as Norlander told you at the top, that is the quickest way to get your hands on the latest episodes. And so we will spend the next few days watching hoops and writing about hoops, and uh, and then we'll meet back here later on in the week. Till then, take care.